welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, wellness and organizational coach and yin and nidra yoga instructor. This podcast will help you create more time using organizational strategies so that you can start to simplify your life and prioritize your health. I'll be sharing conversations with other health and organizational experts and solo episodes with tips to help you simplify your life and prioritize your health. Hi, and welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, and in this Simply Happy Conversation, I'm talking with Beck Mazzino, a professional organizer and declutter coach with over 15 years of experience. She discusses problems with fast fashion and ideas to embrace slow fashion so that you can start to have a more intentional wardrobe. I've known Beck for a very long time through a mutual friend, and it was great to catch up and have this conversation with her. You can also watch our conversation over on YouTube. Let's jump into this Simply Happy guest conversation. So welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. Today I have with me Beck Manzino and she is a declutter coach and she helps people simplify their lives and uh, be more intentional with their own belongings. And she also has her own podcast, Be Uncluttered with Tara Tuttle. So welcome, Beck. Hi. It's so lovely to have you finally organize the session so we can catch up. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while. It's taken us all year, but that's all right. It'll be worth it. It's worth the wait because you have so so. much information to share and so much years of experience. So 15 years you've been a declutter coach now. Yeah, nearly 16, 16 at the end of this year, which has just blows me away. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah. So to start with then telling us a little bit about yourself, things that you like to do in your free time. Oh, well, I am a fair weather exerciser, which means it has to be like between 18 and 21 degrees or maybe even only like 19 and 20 degrees for me to exercise outside because I either overheat or I'm too cold and I get asthma. Um, So I love indoor rock climbing. So that's my exercise thing because the weather is pretty standard inside building. So it doesn't like rain on me or get cold or anything like that. So I'm like, I, I can do that kind of exercise. So I climb and I think I am obsessed with language learning as well. So that's another thing I do in my spare time, which again, is a little bit obsessive. So I'm learning um, Indonesian uh, and Italian and I can speak Indonesian now fairly well uh, and Italian is like right at the start of Italian. So um, that one's definitely a work in progress. The Indonesian I can get by, which is good. But uh, so there's that and I'm sure that once I get bored with Italian, I'll probably move on to another language. That's amazing. I I bet you can't wait to get back over there then. Oh, I cannot wait. Yeah, I can't wait to. It just like this. I mean, I'd say the second that Bali opens, we're like, yeah. yeah. But it might take a little bit longer than that. I think Australia might take a while to let us out. But, yeah, as soon as it's practical and possible and all of that kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. back over there for sure. Oh, that's wonderful. So because the weather where you are in Adelaide, is it around that consistent temperature or it's quite a little bit hotter? You're probably more suited to Melbourne to live in Melbourne then, isn't it? No, see, I love the heat. I just can't oh, okay. exercise in it yeah. because I have anhydrosis, so I don't sweat. So I'm actually quite, I hate being cold, so I'm actually much happier. I'm really much happier in summer and I don't mind an adult summer, um, an Adelaide summer at all. Uh, I do prefer the humidity, so Bali is definitely preferable. But um, as long as I'm not exercising in it, I'm fine. 
yeah, it's just yeah. the it's just the anhydrosis that causes that problem. Oh wow, thank you, thanks for sharing that. So to then maybe talk about the business, how you started, and how it's oh, yeah. changed and progressed over the years as well. It has really evolved. Yeah, it has. It has <laughs> really evolved. So I started back in uh, two thousand and five. I decided I wanted to do this as a business and I was working as a business analyst in a credit union and doing like a completely different job working in IT and it was nothing like what I'm doing now but I was I didn't I wasn't comfortable there I was a square peg in a round hole no one understood me they all thought I was you know a bit I don't know a bit of an airhead I guess and I think my personality sometimes belies my intelligence um it kind of betrays me <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like chatty and silly um and so people assume that I'm not as smart as I am but when I was working there, I just I was naturally I'm naturally really disorganized. And so I had to buy a book. When I moved in with my husband, who is type A, like really, really clean and tidy sort of person by nature, I came and I moved into his house and I just messed it up. And so I thought, well, he's gonna ask me to leave and I'd rather him ask me to marry him. <laughs> and so I'm like, what I want to do is like just pick up my socks a bit, literally. And so I bought a book and that book was by Julie Morgenstern, uh, who I later met and then cried all over because I was like meeting my idol and it was very unprofessional of me. Uh, but she, um, I, this book, she started off really disorganised and then she taught herself and then she started like teaching other people how to be organised. I'm like, what is this profession? Like I, this is really cool. I've never heard of this before. And so I just decided that's what I wanted to do. And like I had people saying to me, you want to organise other people? <laughs> right, okay. And my husband was like, okay. And I did it and I like start I organized the house and I organized my space and I'm still messy but everything has a home and I'm like everything is in a um a controlled curated volume um so I've got quite really strong control over my stuff even though it's often laying around it's under control and so I did all of that and then I decided to start the business and I said to my husband I think I want to do this as business and he's like all right so he said write me up a business plan and so this the CEO telling me this of course that's the first thing he thought of and so I did a business plan and he looked at it and he did a bit of a feasibility study and he went all right let's go and so I did I left my job and I started doing this as a business and then in 2011 I think he left his job and joined the business as well so at first I was just doing like organizing one-on-one part-time I had little kids you know I had like a preschooler and one I don't know no they weren't even that old I don't think and um so they were little little kids and so I had to work really part-time and I was doing that for ages and then he came on board and he helped me then work full-time because he did all of the caring um and then he got bored with that and started a downsizing service so we've evolved into downsizing while he was evolving into downsizing I was evolving into hoarding and mental illness and complex chronic disorganization and complex needs so that's where we've I've sort of we're quite divergent now from the original organizing business and I work with people with disabilities, with mental illness, uh, with uh, complex needs and um, or just not necessarily really complex needs but just a, a strong difficulty or a strong attachment um, to belongings that makes it not as easy for everybody else to, to get organised. So, yeah, that's where we've evolved and so I'm now specialising in that area and he's specialising in estates and downsizing. Yeah, which is fantastic. And it's doing really well then. There's still the downsizing in estates. I can imagine oh, that would be. He's flat out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, there, is there many other services like that in Adelaide? Not that do 
not that do the full service. Um, So there are packing businesses and there's removalists and there's professional organisers and there's people who find you retirement villages and there's all that. And there are a couple of um, professional organisers that are doing the downsizing, but Mick just does the whole kit and caboodle. So he'll project manage the entire thing. And so um, as far as the skill level and experience goes, I think, you know, he's still the king in Adelaide. (laughs) Yeah, and I love actually I'll put a link to the episodes that you shared on moving because you did share Mm. lots of tips from Mick's side of the business that you've experienced, which I I found really useful because I happened to have a client that wanted to move and I was like, I'm not really a specialist in this, but I'm definitely happy, like as I'd been working with them for a year, I was like, I'm definitely happy. So it was definitely really useful, those um, four episodes episodes that mm, you did on um in be uncluttered but i'll definitely share a link to it yeah, so what do you love about <laughs> what do you love about the business then or all oh, your clients what is it that my clients are so nice and fun and um interesting you know they're just so interesting i just meet my favorite thing is meeting new people um and unfortunately talking their head off um and i did get a client recently who can't cope with noise and too much stimulation. And so I was like, okay, Rebecca, dampen it down. <laughs> and so I was like, try not to chat too much. And she said to me at the end, she said, oh, I said, how are you feeling? How's your anxiety levels? Because I'm like often really anxious when I arrive. And she said, it's good. She said, you're really calm. I'm like, yes, I did it. I managed to <laughs> manage to adjust my, myself to, to suit that. So like, you know, so yeah, I've, um, they're just all so different and um, they're, just lovely, lovely people. Like I just meet the nicest people, have the loveliest chats. And, you know, I stayed an extra half an hour back, you know, the other day just chatting with this lady. We're just rabbiting on to each other and she's made me a cuppa and we just, it was the end of the day and I'm like, I want to have another appointment. You know, she yeah. said, have a cuppa with me. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I was, yeah, in the, I've been in a retirement village all week sort of working with a few different clients and she was one of them. So it was lovely. It's just nice to meet new like meet different people all the time and the stuff I learned from this is incredible like I've just learned so much about disabilities and mental illness and neurodivergence um you know a new autistic client this week and I had you know some really good discussions about the the way autism can affect your level of organization and um your attachment and all those kinds of things it's just really interesting yeah do you do you feel that you have like a niche particular you know, area. I mean, you did mention hoarding, but is it a type of disability that you do attract more of? No. Well, yes, probably autism. Autism, Probably autism, yeah. 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 It's probably one of the most common ones um, that that I work with. But then I also have, you know, several clients with brain injuries who, you know, can have difficulty with, um, say, for example, um, out of sight means out of mind for them, literally, you know, not just they'll forget mm. it's there. They they don't know it's there unless they yeah. can see it. So that becomes an organisational challenge immediately. Um, and then there's physical disabilities as well. So, you know, again, oh, yeah. a couple of my brain injury clients have only use of, you know, one side of their body mm. or something like that. So then you've got to take that into account. So, um, but I think I've got, yeah, I've got lots of clients with autism or lots of clients with kids with autism. Yeah. So that's a big one. Um, but, yeah, I still I have quite a, a range. Um, you know, there's also um, bipolar, um, borderline personality disorder, um, hoarding disorder, um, anxiety and depression. Um, yep. So, you know, and then ageing. Um, so okay. even without any dementia, ageing is a, you know, particular challenge. 
mm. know, the clients that I, you know, had yesterday, we have had to adjust, you know, we, we basically are writing off all storage, you know, above mm. her shoulders because she can't reach that high. Yes. So yep. there's all that as well. So it's just anytime there's more of a complex need, that's kind of you know, where I find myself. Yeah, yeah. And and what about ADHD? Do you find that too is yep. underlying in a lot of Yeah, um, yeah. The it's often too? It's often a comorbidity with autism. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'll often find that there. But uh, yeah, there's, there's, I've definitely had lots of ADHD clients as well because um, that executive dysfunction, yeah. yeah, it really yeah. means that, you know, what, what somebody else might go, like, find easy. Yes. Just, just do it. All you have to do is put the stamp on the letter and post it. Just do it. But for yeah. someone with executive dysfunction, it's like, oh no, that's the impossible thing. I can't, I can't do it. You know, when we have to find ways to, to, yeah. um, to get those kinds of things either done or not needed to be done in the first place. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's a strategy. Do you have a story around, like, I, you know, I've got a few stories over the past two years of things that you do for people that other people are just like, what? Like, you know, one of them was the other day we were organising wigs to sell the wigs because that's like too many, so many steps to sell things. Mm, sell but things, um, yeah. and then she was like, "Have you got any?" And she then asked, "Have you had any?" And I went, "Well, yeah, I found hair, lots of hair, like big long cuts off bits of hair." And people are like, "I don't know what to do with that." I'm like, "Oh, that's right. I know you post it to this place, and they make it into wigs." And I've got the address saved on my like, oh, "Really? Mm. Can you do that?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And then you get a certificate that I can pass on to them. So, do you have any of those a story that stands out for you? Oh, of being- probably a little bit different to yours but I still remember I have a client that I've now been seeing for oh 12 13 years she yeah. was still one of my first clients and she's you know now a dear friend and she still gets me in when there's life transitions at the moment she's got lots of problems with elderly parents like lots of complex needs around her elderly parents and um but I remember the, one of the first times I was at her place and we were talking about things and there was a and her her toddler at the time who's now 19 um again amazing um not a toddler but yeah he was young and we had like a little a little craft table and I said um I, I said to her something like I can't I, sat, I just sort of sat down in front of her and I said well we can do this and I started just sort of pulling things out one at a time and looking at one at a time and then making a decision about it and she's gone she's like George George come and watch this and I'm like, not that unusual, is it? You know, and she said she's doing things one at a time and then she's making a decision before she moves on to the next one. And and I was like, it just so just sometimes there are some things that we take for granted yeah. that make sense to us that other people are like, this is life changing. Yes. <laughs> You've just changed my life. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and it's just those, sometimes it's those little things that, um, you know, and, I, and when she said that, I was like, wow, I didn't think that this was something that would be, you know, unusual. And obviously I'm a lot more experienced now. So there are things that I say, you know, um, that people go, oh, I've never, never thought of it that way or oh that was you know really helpful or you know that thing you said to me last week I've been saying over and over and over again to myself and and it's really helping so it's sort of those little it's those little different ways of looking at things I think Mm. that um that are the most yeah profound changes to other people um that seem really obvious um to me and and I've I've gotten you know much more aware of that so I'm I never assume knowledge now. Mm, yes, yes. I never assume like, but I used to like. It's yeah. something that you know. And again, I was younger, and you know, when you're younger, you make these assumptions due to like of life experience, I suppose. And you know, now it's like you know, those you make those assumptions, and they, um, it's it really puts you into 
a box and it, it means that it's really difficult to then help people if you're just assuming mm. what they already know. So if you, you know, assume nothing um, yes. and then, you know, and they might go, oh, yeah, I've done that before. And you're like, oh, cool. So you do know that. But, you know, other times you're like, really yes <laughs> and so oh, you're no. like yes that's useful for them then so yeah I love that when I suggest what about if we move this here or we did this or we what about this and and they're just like oh my god you're so amazing at this and I'm like, oh really I just thought that would be normal like it just yes, popped that, in my head yeah. yeah yeah no that's just how my brain works and yeah and and yeah I love I love that when you see those moments or and like you said it, I love the, my favorite pit is when kids are involved with me. So, you know, when the parents say, oh, the kid's got a, they're still at home, remote learning at the moment, or they're, they've got a curriculum. Done. Oh, awesome. I love that because there's always a job and there's just, it's that osmosis that they learn through watching what you're mm. doing, isn't it? And yeah, 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 yeah. And and kids need to be a part of the process. They oh, can't definitely. end up growing up with this sort of house fairy kind of mentality of not knowing the process of how a house is maintained and and how boundaries are set and all of those kinds of things mm. and how 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 to let go of things and make their own decisions about yep. their stuff and all of that so yeah it's working with kids is really great and you know there's i um some kids i depending on their you know neurodivergent status, status or you know their emotional status or whatever it is some kids you know well they're all, they're all different so there's different yeah. different challenges and I was with a client the other day and because it's school holidays her son was home and he wants to keep everything and he she sort of all of our sessions had been with him at school and so we just talked about him but I'd never worked with him at that point but it was school holidays and she sort of they came in, I was early and they came in, they arrived home and came into the house. So we all sort of came in together. And so we were just sort of all chatting and um, she's just, I don't know how it happened, but it just happened that he got involved in a decision about something. We were going to work on something else, but she she brought up one of his things. So he got involved. Anyway, within like for about 15 minutes or so, he and I were like vibing. So he was letting go of stuff and yeah. he was chatting away to me and he was talking about his own interests and he has autism. And so one of the things he does a lot is talk about his own interests a lot. And it's one of the things that that um, she wants him to work on because he doesn't listen to anyone else about their interests. But it was great because he was so focused on his interests. I could slip in a, you know, what do you want to do with this? And he was engaged with me. Mm. Um, so he was like already pre-engaged on a different level, but he was then would, would I would be able to get him to engage on my level and he would jump back to his again. And so it was really good. And we, we went for a while like that and then he disappeared. And then we tried again, like, and he goes, just yeah. bring me things to make decisions about. And I'm like, yeah. And so I, after about, I think it was about half an hour I came into her, I said, we've lost him. <laughs> and she said, we did well for a while. Yeah, and we yeah. did. We, like, cleared, like, several cubes of stuff in his bookcase. But, yeah, we did lose him after a while. He just yeah. had enough. But it was, yeah, it's like, you you know, working with them, um, it's always different depending, like, on the kid. And some <laughs> kids will engage for four hours yes. and others will engage for five minutes and you take what you can in that five yeah. minutes and you do what you can with that time. Um, but it's amazing how, like, they learn um, quite well from even just that small amount of time. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And I love your, you've got an episode which I share with lots of clients, um, the one with your son. I love it. Oh, um, with when Ethan, he, yeah. Yes, with Ethan and his because I've shared it with clients and they've used it with their children so their children can listen and relate to another person. So I absolutely love that episode. It's one of my my favourite. I don't know if it's one of your top downloads at all. It but is. 
It is? Yeah, I actually haven't checked the stats. It's not one of the yeah. top downloaded ones. Uh, people prefer the practical ones, like where to put stuff. That oh, ones, yeah. They're always a really high downloaded ones. But um, I, it's my favourite one as well, and obviously because you know, he's my son and it's fun to do something with him. Yeah. But I just, the and you've listened to it so you know, but just the transition from this kid who couldn't let go of anything mm. and who lived in a mess. I mean, he's still, like if I opened his room now, he's, 17 there was still stuff all over the floor but the thing is like he's minimalized down to the point where it only takes him a few minutes to tidy up when he can you know disdain to be bothered um it will only take him a few minutes and so that transition from you know that little emotionally attached kid to this minimalist almost adult is quite interesting and then another thing and I was talking to a client yesterday about this who's got really young kids and I said you know it's time to get in now, like get in yeah. early on managing the volume of belongings and managing their expectations around belongings and acquisitions and all that stuff. It's really good to start early. And I said to her that one of the things that I kind of worried about, which you always do when you're a parent, you wonder if your strategies are actually, you know, doing the right, doing well by them or whatever. And I said to her, look, my kids got a Wii in 2009 and that's the only gaming console they've ever had and they've only ever had like three or four games. They still play it unironically, like I even said to Ethan, you play it ironically, don't you? And he went, no, we actually enjoy playing it. Oh, okay. So they still play this way. They've never asked for another gaming console. They might have when they were little said, could we get PlayStation? We've said, no, you've got a gaming console and they've gone, okay. But they've never complained and I have asked them both now as, you know, one adult and one almost adult, you know, do you feel like you missed out on your childhood because of the boundaries we placed around acquisitions and belongings and all that? And they both said, no, we're really grateful. We know how to wait for things. We know how to work hard for mm. things. Um, we, uh, we're not addicted to games, <laughs> <We're>, you know, <laughs> and they're like, and they, we're not spoiled. And they, they, say, they sort of then will cite examples from their circles and people they know of how they're yeah. glad they're not like that. Yeah. And so I sort of said to her, you know, because she said it's not fair for kids to not get toys during the year. And I went, really? Like, let's challenge that assumption, shall we? And yeah. then I told her about this, about my kids who said, no, they don't feel like they ever missed out. Um, and so, yeah, that's something I like to reassure clients of is that yeah, that's actually they don't, they didn't miss out, you know. And yeah. um, oh, that one one of my kids' um, peers did once call, it, call us poor. Oh, yes. <laughs> which I thought was a pretty mean insult because what's wrong with being poor? But it, obviously they, they thought, and Ethan said, oh, he said I was poor. And I said, oh, what do you think about that? And he said, no, I don't think we're poor. I just think we save our money. Like we save yeah. it instead of spend it and it makes us look poor because we haven't got the greatest, yeah. newest PlayStation or the great, the, they don't get brand new iPhones as soon as they come out and all mm. that kind of stuff like other because we live in an affluent suburb so a lot of friends, yeah. And, yeah, they all get like stuff given to them and they all holiday, you know, yeah, wherever. Um, and so you know, he, like my kid knew logically that we weren't poorer than this other child, but it was an interesting way to be insulted. And it was an interesting assumption that this other yeah. child makes is because we don't spend lots of money that we have none. It's yeah. like, no, actually, we actually have probably plenty of money because we don't spend it <laughs> on all this <laughs> stuff. It's like, it's really interesting. Yeah. So uh, we, we've had that same story about the, but not to do with, to- you know, physical things, but food. Because my kids oh. don't take packets to to school, yeah. and so my daughter was told. Was it was a couple of years ago. 
that we that she must be poor if her mum can't afford to buy packets to put in her lunchbox because she just has homemade things in her bento box. And I was like, and she said it to me, oh, yeah, everyone keeps saying that we're really poor. I'm like, we're not really poor. Why do you say that? She said, because you can't afford to buy packets. And I was like, hun, I buy things from the health food shop to put in your lunchbox to make your things. twice as much. <laughs> we're not poor at all. And she, so she'd made that assumption. So, again, yeah, it's that story mm. trying to break it down. And if we hadn't even had that conversation, she'd still be walking around thinking we're possibly yeah. poor because we don't take packets in our lunchboxes. Yeah, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah, and, yeah, and it is like this whole idea of having things yes um and and what it means as part of your identity like mm. it, it does form an identity thing and uh I think you know my kids sort of grew up not feeling poor but feeling um oh my goodness what's the word for it I feeling like no uh, I lost my train of thought but more gratitude for not yeah. being like that um and more aware of the the differences in in values in, over differences in belongings yes um, yeah. and so like you know, my kids are quite aware of the values people have um mm. and less aware of what they they own and, and you know and, and base their judgment of people on, more on their behavior and their values than than on what they own which you know i think it'd be good if we could all if everyone did that, you know. Yeah, definitely. Oh, what a beautiful thing that you've passed on to your children, both children, well, adults now. Yeah, uh, almost adults. Yeah. I know, that's crazy. I remember when they were really little. I know. <laughs> my baby just turned 17. It's like, oh, God, <laughs> So what about I'd love for you to share and focus on intentional wardrobes because they're, mm. again, the episodes that I really enjoyed and I think that's one of those things that I see a lot with clients is a lot of purchasing just especially, you know, over the past two years um, during lockdown, mm. just to feel good. Mm. You know, that, that, that instant gratification. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we, I mean, it's no surprise that we're always buying things because we're always told that we'll be happier if we mm. have these things and advertise exactly how advertising works. It, you know, they're, all the advertising is different, but especially for things like beauty products and clothing and cars and those kinds of things, it's all about um, you will be happier if you have this. You know, you're, if you buy this four-wheel drive, your family will be happily camping with no one fighting and throwing things at each other, you know, by the mm. side of an idyllic river. And if you buy this makeup and if you look younger, then, you know, you'll be happier because you look younger. Okay. Um, and, you know, clothing, you know, you'll be happier if you look this way because you'll look better than everyone else. It's like, okay. So that we've been told and all of us are fallible to this. We're all, you know, um, going to be affected by this, but we're all told life will be better if we buy this and it becomes something that's ingrained in us. And so, you know, we buy things because we think that they're going to make our life better in some way. And it might be necessarily a big dramatic better, like this is going to all of a sudden make you a better friend, um, but it's these little bits of better. Mm. You know, you're going to have um, something that makes you look thinner or bigger bummed or it's going to make you look taller or it's going to, you know, make you look like you have money and therefore mm. you must be important. You know, that sort of things kind of make us make us do that and we are all susceptible to it. And um, But fashion is like one of the worst and it really grates on me, as you would be aware from listening to <laughs> me rant about it. Um, you know, it's one of those. And I'm still, like, I still buy clothes. Like I still, I'm not 
saying that people shouldn't buy clothes Mm. or anything like that. But I think that we could really shake things up as consumers and make the fashion industry do better um, and do better by the environment and do better by Mm. garment workers and do better by their consumers um, because we just, we're buying into all of it. We're just, we're just, they're just telling us buy this and we're buying it. Yeah, we're not we're not thinking about this. About we're not thinking. We're not working together um, to to make sure that it, it gets changed. You know, there's something. There was a ridiculous stat that I read recently about you know UK youths or young people in UK like 18 to 25 who um, on average wear an item twice before it's discarded. Um, and, wow. Yeah, and that's the average. Mm. And like, was something that's probably incorrect. So do not quote me on any yeah. statistics my memory is atrocious but it's it is it was a stat that I read and I went oh my god that is absurd mm. so it was pretty bad and um and this this high rotation you know there's a an online retailer UK-based online retailer and which I'm not going to give them any airtime by saying who they are who <laughs> will sell things like at certain times of the year um dresses for 30 cents yeah 30 pence and so people buy like oh I just bought 30 dresses you know and I got it for a bargain it's like why why, mm. why did you buy 30 dresses? So that you can just throw them in the bin after one mm. wear and, you know, and, and if something's being sold for 30 cents, where in the supply chain is that, how how was how that can money? you do that? How, how can, can you, you afford it? Yeah. yeah. And they, they can afford it by underpaying garment workers yes. and by using cheap materials and yep. by not putting in um, health healthy environmental practices mm. and all this kind of stuff and just doing everything on the cheap. And it's like, you know, when someone buys a bargain, they think they're buying a bargain. But when you think about who actually pays the true cost of mm. that, you know, it's somebody disadvantaged down the line. You know, it's someone who now has to walk for five kilometres to get fresh water every day because their local water is polluted by a manufacturer who's mm. nearby. You know, it's those kinds of people that are disadvantaged when you get your bargain, your 30 cent dress. Mm. Um, so as you can tell, I get quite right up about it. And, you know, I'm, I still buy stuff but I think that there are ways that we can be really intentional about how we set our wardrobe up so that we are not feeding the monster quite so much yeah so what what tips have you got around around the intentional shopping that um so there's a quite a bit of a process to ending up with an intentional wardrobe and it's a a long thick sort of took me about five years to Mm. get to it through a process of you know curating and culling and everything but you know you need to sort of know your style and um, and choose a, a, a certain style that you're going to stick to. So, you know, you might decide that you don't do boho, you know, so, okay, boho's not in my style, so then, you know, you're not going to be buying those things on little whims because they're 30 cents because, well, that's not my style, I'm not going to buy that. Mm-hmm. So that cuts out a certain, um, you know, you're not going to buy, you might not buy goth, um, you might not buy um, feminine things, you might not buy masculine things, you know, you can have this idea in your mind of what your style is. And then colour palettes, I reduced my colour palette down significantly as well. So I went, I, you know, know what colours suit me and then I halved that again and I went with these are the colours that I I buy and that I wear. And so when I walk into a store and they're all burgundies and deep greens, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm walking out of here. (laughs) They don't have any colours that I wear, so I'm leaving. Um, And so, you know, that, that is another way to reduce the amount of stuff that comes in. And did you have a particular person that you used for your, to do that or you... Like, did you use a professional to do yours? Yeah, I had a professional stylist um, and I I don't advertise her because um, I wasn't happy with the whole 
process. She tend, she dressed me and she dresses her customers like herself. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, when I was sort of getting into it, I didn't realise that, but now I realise that that's, that's the way that she operates. So um, I don't share that, but I do advocate getting stylists though because yeah. um, they, it is really helpful to know uh, if you've worked out yourself what colours suit you or you don't care what suits you and you just want to buy the one, things you love, that's yeah. also amazing as well if you know what to buy. Because I always say it doesn't matter if it suits you, if you love it wear it like who cares yeah. if it gives you dark shadows under your eyes dark shadows under your eyes aren't the worst ever thing that's going to happen to you if you love purple wear purple you know and wear your purple and it matches your dark shadows under your eyes who mm. cares yeah. but um if you do care about you know doing things like making yourself look a little bit brighter or whatever then you can get them professionally chosen for you or you know get you told told what your colors are um so i do advocate for that because it can narrow down your focus significantly. And when you are shopping, you are much more selective and being selective is a good thing. Um, yeah. I did that colour guru um, to oh, get my colours. Yeah. I did, yeah, I did it at the start of the year when I heard someone else talking about it. And it's been amazing because I just go yeah. into the shop, I have my colours there, I zone in and go, yep, they've got those, those. No, they don't. I'm walking out. And so, yeah, because otherwise I had got to the habit of just doing black Grey and white as the way of going. Well, I know those are safe. They're safe. I was then just safe shopping. And then that's the thing. Now when I got them, it's funny when I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, when I used to wear that dress in that yellow and that dress in that colour, people would say, oh, that's such a beautiful dress. But it actually wasn't the dress. It's the colour that they were commenting on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was that that whole and all the whole package as well. It's just the style of it as well. That's the one thing. The one thing that I did learn from, from the stylist I used was and and she has a background in interior design and Mm -hmm. this is where her skill is is mixing colors and so one of the things that I found really hard to do was mix colors I would wear colors with black because I didn't know how to put a color with a color yeah and so it would freak me out then you know so buying a green skirt would have been like I can't buy a green skirt because what would I wear with it? Like I, mm. I wouldn't know what I'd have to wear a black top with it and then or a white top, yeah, yeah, or a white top and it's like, yeah. oh. and so now you know I'm like, okay, I've got a green top that I know that pale pink works well with that green, apricot works really yeah, well with that great. green, red works really well with that green, and so there's other colors like colors do love colors and there mm. are colors that are besties and then there are colors that are not so great and and you can do you know there's little tricks to it you know. Um, like, uh, you know, green and red, sort of people are like, oh, no, green and red don't go together. But if you put one up one end of the scale, so if you turn your green into mint, so you're sort yeah. of making it lighter, and then you turn your red into um, burgundy, burgundy and mint are best friends. Like you put them mm. together and it's like, wow. And so, you know, when you when you know those tricks, you can actually. So I learned a lot from her about how to mix my colours. Mm. Um, it was the styling side of things I wasn't happy with, but colours, yeah. I learned a lot. And yep. the colour guru, yeah, we had her on our podcast. And, yeah, you did too. Um, yeah, and she was, yeah, she's really good. And um, and I have follow, I follow her on Instagram and um, I do mm. see just, you know, how how well getting your colours can, how getting your colours done can really change. So, yeah, so I've, I limited my palette. The other thing that I encourage people to do is to um, buy quality. Mm. Definitely. Um, yeah. And pay and, and pay full price. Now, this is something that people find really hard mm. to adjust to is paying full price. Uh, and I was chatting to actually my elderly, she's 92, my client yesterday, and we were talking about clothes and I complimented on her, adre- on her dress. And I can't remember how it came up, but basically she said, you know, what I've learned in 92 years, you know, is to... Um, by um, save up and buy expensive, good quality clothes. 
Uh, and, you know, and I said, and I said, yeah, like instead of buying seven pairs of $20 jeans, buy one pair of $200 jeans, mm. you know, and that, you know, and and she's like, absolutely, you know, and that's one of the things that she learned, you know, in her, her years. And she, you know, she said, I would, if I could impart <laughs> that to anyone, it would be buy quality clothes, buy fewer if you can't afford a lots of them. Um, she was quite wealthy, so she, she had plenty, but she said, you know, she wasn't always wealthy either. And mm. so she learned how to save up for things and just have one of something. And so I always encourage my clients to think, Think about um, buying things based on the quality of their workmanship and their longevity mm. because the way to reduce um, clothing waste is to wear your clothes for as long as possible yeah. and ignore fashion, wear something that suits you, that you love until it dies. <laughs> and yeah. even then when it dies, repair it until it dies again and try yeah. and keep going. And so, we're, you know, buying things that are high quality, you know, and also the good thing about buying more high quality um, fabrics often is that those fabrics um, and those makes are more environmentally mm. conscious as well because they have less microplastics in them and stuff yeah. like that. So that's where I've moved to now. Um, I originally was on the, um, you know, buying quality and um, buying sort of ethically manufactured um, from that perspective, but I was still buying, um, you know, polyesters and those kinds of things. Mm. And so I'm now moving into, okay, now I'm trying to, now I've got that that sort of habit sorted and now I want to move into the natural fabric store, yeah. which makes it much harder and things take longer to find. You have to do more research to find the clothes that you want. But you do end up obviously buying less because it's much more work <laughs> to find, you know, mm. knits. Like I, you know, um, I went, Christy and I went shopping, Narelle and I share a bestie. Christy and I went shopping and I, we looked for a whole day. I looked for knits, couldn't find the knit that I wanted. I had to have certain, you know, I had this criteria. And we looked in a billion places. And do you think, and I, we walked out without me buying one knit. And then another day, I was um, shopping with my mother in law, and I'd been looking for new knits because my, I, like my eight-year-old ones were starting to fall apart. And um, and I now was on the I need natural fabrics but because I'm allergic to wool. It needs to be this certain blend so that I can actually wear it without coming out in a rash. And I've walked into the store and they had um, beautiful woolen and cashmere knits on sale. And I was like, okay. So I walked out with two of them because I'm like, I yeah. could, it was funny though that I've spent an entire day walking into a billion different stores and then I spent this one time wandering to one store and it's got exactly what yeah. I wanted. Um, so, the, you know, you're doing the, doing the research and paying full price. So I had a client who was addicted to clothes shopping and addicted to swapping online and buying cheap things from eBay. So she would buy, buy clothes and really like, bargain sort of hut she would never pay you know much for anything at all anyway she decided to take me shopping because she said I needed to provide that um voice of reason I guess yep. while she was shopping because she needed new clothes and we'd been working together for a while so she was in that mindset of I'm trying to do better here and so we went shopping and I told her that she I found a pair of pants for her for oh, first of all we had to make a list so we made the list because you can't shop clothes without yep. a list because then you just buy anything. Um, so we had a list and I said to her, she's not allowed to buy anything that's not on that list. And immediately she hated me. Um, but we went we went into the shop. And so she came back with some work pants and there were a few different types of work pants, but I found a pair and I said, try these on. And she said, no, they're $140. I'm not paying $140 for a pair of black pants. And I said, try the pants on. And so she marched in there and she tried the pants on. And she spent about half an hour trying different sizes on, um, you know, trying other clothes on with them, shoes on with them, because she was not going to buy a $140 pair of pants unless they were absolutely perfect. Yeah. And she bought them. 
and then a few weeks later and she said, I've never done this before. And, you know, she was just shocked that she was spending all this money because normally she'd buy a $25 pair of black pants. They were just white work pants, and which, you know, you can get them quite cheap. And so she rang me a few weeks later and she said, I'm so glad you made me buy those pants. I've worn them every day. I love them. I'm going to buy another pair. They oh, fit wow. perfectly. Yeah. I, I get complimented at all of them. And what would happen normally is that she would buy the $25 pair because they were cheap, but there'd be something that she's compromising yeah. on. So they, they'd be sit a bit too low. So she'd yeah. get them up and top or she'd have to keep pulling her pants up or, you know, they would you know, lump somewhere or they would be a little bit too long or whatever. Yeah. And um, she, because she was spending so much money, she was very fastidious about them meeting all of her needs. Yeah. So she ended up buying a pair of pants that was perfect for her, was going to get a really high mm. amount of wear for a long time. So her, like, per wear cost of that item was really low compared yeah. to the cheaper items that she'd bought. And she, yeah, she said, um, she said, thank you, because without you I would have bought a cheaper pair and I would be already replacing them by now mm. and I would end up with, you know, 27 pairs of black pants in my wardrobe. Yeah. So, you know, there's, and we do the same with shoes. I mean, what woman has not bought a pair of shoes that is half a size too small because they were 60% off and cute. I mean, we've all done it. We've all done it. You haven't? I hate shoes. No, so I'm very much, they have to be comfortable. And yeah. if they're not. I Even in your I 20s. In your oh, 20s, no, I like, probably I was an idiot then. in my 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I probably yeah. would have then. I can't remember. But now, yeah. no, they're very much there's yeah. just a few pairs. That people would be horrified to see my shoes. <laughs> like, but when you're, when you're still learning about, yes, yes. you know, and this is the thing, like in my 20s I absolutely did that, you know, I absolutely would squish myself into a pair of shoes because they were cheap and I liked yeah. them. And, you know, but as we... Once we start paying full price for things, we get yes. very discerning and we will not walk out of a store. I mean, unless we're, you know, Kim Kardashian or something, but we will not walk out of a store spending $250 on a pair of shoes unless they are absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah. And so that makes us then buy shoes that are going to get a really long life with us because we love them and they fit us perfectly and they go yeah. with several of our outfits and yeah. all those kinds of things so this is where I advocate for paying full price because it makes you really discerning and you will walk out of a store without any shoes if they're yeah. not right you know yes, and so definitely. it reduces the amount of the volume that you've got and the amount of waste so yeah I'm a big fan of that and a lot of people do say look that's really um classist maybe I don't know like mm -hmm. that yep. there are people who cannot afford to spend $140 on a pair of pants or mm. you know, $300 on a pair of shoes, and absolutely there definitely are. But I have to say that, and there are obviously going to be exceptions, but I have to say that I do have a lot of clients on low income and I do see them buy large volumes of low-cost items mm. and that if they switched that yep. to be a, a medium volume of a medium-cost item, they would be spending exactly the same amount of money, but they would get things that would last them, and then they would have less things in less things in their wardrobe and less clutter. So it definitely can be done, and I do, you know, understand that um, money is definitely an issue mm. for people. And I'm speaking from a position of privilege. Uh, that said, I still, you know, blanch at the idea of spending too much on things. Like yeah. I, you know, I'm budget conscious, of course. I'm not wealthy, uh, but 
the, I do know that I, if people have that mindset of I'm going to spend as the, the most that I can afford yes. on something and get the best quality I can within my budget, you will end yeah. up still getting the benefits um, of the same benefits that, that I'm talking about where you have less stuff and you have high quality things that fit you better, that you like, that mm. last longer. And the longer they last, the better it all is for the environment, the less you have to replace it. You know, we're, why us feeding these fast fashion machines? Mm by buying things they're just going to keep doing it you know we have to say no you know and I still I have bought things from you know these fast fashion places but you know I've got like I was talking about these knits that are falling apart I actually still have um knits from oh I think one is nine years old from Dottie and so it was a fast fashion brand it is like a relatively cheap fabric it's a cotton poly blend but I have worn that for mm. like nine years or more and very and it's got a couple of holes in them and but I still wear them yeah and this is the thing I think we can still we don't have to boycott the brands entirely although there are some that I would encourage you to boycott but we don't have to boycott the brands entirely but we can you use them for in your way instead of the yes. way they want you to use yes. instead of Which them saying buy a new knit every every yeah. two months you can go no yeah. I'm going to buy a new knit every seven years thank you very much and I'm yeah. happy to buy it from you but I'm not buying this many of them yes. and so we can still do that as well and we can still say I'm going to buy things that last I'm going to stick with my style I'm not going to follow fashion you know mm-hmm. I'm going to and this is the thing with you know with fashion there are some things that come into fashion and I go I'm never buying that like I don't care if it's trendy and yeah. You know, I'm, and, and this is again, this is another thing that comes with age. And probably people yes, in their twenties are like, you know, what are you talking about? You know, what's, what's how do you know what you, what your style is? But you get to it when you get older, and you get to the point where you're like, oh, there's no way. Like, can you imagine if like low rise jeans came back in? Like, no <laughs> way, no way would I go there. But then there's other things that I that are part of my style that aren't yes. in fashion. That's that's the most frustrating thing is the fact that when you want something that's a particular yeah, style, but it's it. not in fashion, yeah. you can't get it. And I had this thing with waistcoats. Like for the last five years, I've been wanting to do the Rachel and wear like jeans oh, and a yeah. white T-shirt with a waistcoat. And it's not trendy in fashion at all, but I'm like, it suits me, so I want to wear it. Do you think I could find a waistcoat anywhere? I finally found a vintage one. Um, I was going to say yeah, the second hand market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I looked at all the op shop ones. The ugly though were like those shiny, uh, yeah, uh, satiny ones. But uh, I found one that was like I think it's from the seventies, um, and so it's matte. It's like a matte fabric, like a wool. Yeah. It's wool, basically. Oh, and I, I know it's wool because I can see that holes in it where things have eaten it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit moth eaten. But um, it's so it's got that not shiny, glossy sort of yeah. gross look about it. So um, yes, and that's so that's the well, one frustrating thing. But uh, but then once you get something that's your style, it doesn't matter whether it's in or out of fashion, you can just keep wearing it because you know, people will say, you know, wow, that really suits you. Yeah. You know, yeah. because you know, and waistcoats are something that really suit me. And with they're yeah. in fact or not when I wear them it, you know people will say something like oh this looks good uh, Mick, Mick said to me the first time I put it on he said you look like a waitress but it looks really good well I was wearing it with white shirt and black pants so I definitely did uh, yeah, like yeah. A, uh, a waitress but <laughs> um but I still I, st- I looked good you know and so yeah. I looked like a you know I looked like a I looked like a waitress who looked good. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it didn't really bother me. But, um, yeah, so this thing of finding your style and and knowing what suits you and knowing, mm. you know, to avoid certain things, you know, like avoiding, I avoided the bubble skirt trend that came in because that didn't suit me. I don't know when that was. That was 
like 15 or 15 years ago. Yeah, but I avoided that. that. Like that wasn't, I was like, I'm not going there. <laughs> I yeah. did not do, you know, I'll stick with my pencil skirts. Thanks very much. Yes, but, yes. Um, but that's the thing, you know, you, you find your style and you stick with it and you, and you can have a limited wardrobe and a mm. limited palette and still have so much fun with it because everything suits you. And, you know, you, you having you have the problem of opening your wardrobe and not knowing what to wear, not because you don't like any of it, but because you love it all so much you can't pick which of your favourites yes. you want to wear yeah. that day. And that's the, there's a great joy um, in, in that um, and a great joy in knowing everything that you own. You know, yes. my clients are quite quite marvel sometimes that I can list off every pair of underpants that I own and every knit that I have and every yeah. pair of jeans that I have and every shirt I can list them all and I can just and I know where they are yes. you know and well most of the time um to, to a certain degree I'm just looking at my my chair in my bedroom that's got two knits on that when they should yeah my chair should be in the wardrobe um but you know I I can I know them all and you know you know your Mm. whole wardrobe so you can get dressed in your head in the shower um and that saves time because you know everything you own and you probably know where it is and you'll know whether it's clean or dirty that's the only thing sometimes I don't know "Mm, is that clean or not um but you can get yourself dressed in the shower and so by the time you come to choose your clothes it's a 30 second activity and so all these benefits of just honing in on longevity and style and simplicity makes such a difference. And then there's all the environmental benefits of you not ploughing through clothes, you know, hundreds hundreds a year. And time. Like I hate shopping. So and and not being able to go into stores at the moment, you know, it's like, well, when am I going to do this? So I think that's one thing I found. You know, I don't shop on sales. It's like I'm going because I need to replace an item yes. because it's worn out and changed. So my husband was very much like he'd just go shopping when he needed it, mm. never when a sale. And I'd be like, oh, why don't you wait? There's probably a sale in a couple of weeks. Um, he's like, yeah, but I need it now and I want what's going to suit me. So, yeah, yeah. he definitely helped so me. So he's very intentional mind. about intentional, that. Yeah, completely. And I and think this, men this, are, aren't they, a lot of them? A lot of them. And the, Nick's the same. And um, he's sort of not, I mean, there are definitely guys that are more into fashion and they sort of have yeah. a higher turnover of clothes. Um, but Mick wears the same things he's been wearing for the last 20 years sometimes. <laughs> and so, um, and probably, and not, and not literally some of the same things. Yes. Um, and so otherwise it's just the same style. But, um, yeah, it's, I think it's that that intentionality that's that's really important. And this, you know, when I say pay full price, I mean that you intend to pay, pay full price. Like when I walked into this store and they had these knits um, there. They were on sale. So I got quite a good bargain. But I didn't buy them because they were on sale. Oh, I yeah. bought them because I needed knits and I'd been wanting them in that bit blend, in a yeah. you know, a knit that was wool blend that wasn't going to bring me out in a rash. And they they ticked the box. So I ended up, you know, buying two of them. And um, and you know, to get wool cashmere blends for a hundred bucks is like that's amazing. A little bit of bug, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, got, I still got my high. So you can still, you know, if you intend to pay full price for something but you get yourself a bargain at the same time mm. but the whole other process was intentional then that's a bonus you yeah know? so you know if he did if he did go you know to buy something and they had a sale and he did that he didn't know about he'd be like Woo-hoo, you know and yes, he, yes. You know, he saved money on this purchase that he would have made anyway yeah. uh, and that's the key would you pay full price for it is a yeah. really good question to ask yourself because if you wouldn't that means you're only buying it for the bargain mm. you're not buying it for the item itself yeah and I mean you'll look at that for that brand again and go back to that shop again now that if, if you enjoy the fabric that it's made yeah. from as well I think that's yeah. the thing isn't it but yeah it makes me laugh like my kids will see photos of Sean and I like years ago when they were little and I'm like 
You're still wearing you still that got same that top, <laughs> Dad, you're wearing that hoodie still. It's like, yep. <laughs> because we buy it now because we know it's going to last because we, are, you know, we're not going to be going shopping as often as we did back then and also just having a son who hates shopping. Um, mm. It does limit going shopping. And, you know, the, the rest of us, the other three of us, like to go and we'll go together um, when, yeah, when my son's out doing his own thing. Whereas yeah. him, I take a photo of it. I know exactly what I have to get him, take a photo of it, I send it to him or I'll video call him and say, what do you think? Do you like that colour as well? I know the style and I know Mm. what it has to feel like. So he's very easy to shop for. Yeah, Yeah. the more specific someone is, the easier they are to shop with because you can just write something off immediately. Um, But, yeah, my kids, my daughter loves op shopping and I've I've got a love-hate relationship with op shopping. One, I love it for its environmental and like mm. a sustainability because, you know, you're reusing something that would normally have gone to landfill and you're not purchasing something and using yeah. all of those resources. So that's awesome. I love that. However, the way op shops are set up is for basically for bargain hunting. Yeah. And um, so you tend to do overbuy when you go into an op mm-hmm. shop and I do it as well. So I have to steer clear of them because I buy things like, oh, this is nice and it's only $3. And then I come home and I can't be bothered trying it on because yes. I'm lazy. So I come home and I'll try it on like, oh, I really misjudged the size of that. And um, redonate that. Um, so you know you you get into a trap of um, of that um, bargain hunting kind yes. of imp- impulse purchasing, yeah. and that's really dangerous for volumes of belongings. Yes. So I've got kind of a love hack, but Zoe loves op shopping, so she buys pretty much only secondhand clothes now mm-hmm. um and ethan doesn't buy much at all he's a minimalist and so he's really picky and he's actually yeah. asked me to take him shopping today because he saw a shirt with his mate when he was shopping last week and it was expensive but he needs like a nice shirt and i said to him that he could buy it but he thought i was saying he could buy it out of his own money but i was telling him we would pay for it yeah so he didn't buy it so now he wants to go and show me again today and Look maybe good. maybe buy it yeah yeah so we're gonna have a look at that I don't know if you find it. I've got a few clients who like either work in op shops or, you know, volunteer. And they're the worst because they have so many bargains. They have amazing stuff, amazing kids' resources, amazing wardrobe, but just too much because it's so cheap. Yeah, exactly. It just affects the volume more than anything. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, there you can have control of it. And one of the things I do is if I do fall into the trap, you know, I go into an op shop and I get a bit carried away. And this is, again, why I say to Zoe, I'm not going op shopping with you (laughs) because I get carried away. And I get carried away and I come home with an armload of cheap stuff um, that I I sort of try it all on and I I just re-donate immediately anything that I've accidentally, you know, and I write that off and then I put that in my bank of Rebecca you shouldn't be doing this <laughs> you shouldn't go up shopping again because you've just you bought you know twenty dollars worth of stuff that you've immediately redonated. Yeah, yeah. Um and um but the the whole leaving the house thing is important because yeah when you do um do that impulse shopping um frequently and with high volumes the the clutter builds up really quickly and yeah. and then if you if you've got a cluttered wardrobe and this is the the irony of it is that the fuller the wardrobe mm. the less you feel you have to wear yes. um and so that's a real trap that is it's helpful to to get out of or try and avoid um the less clothes you have the the more you can enjoy them yes. to to a certain point obviously I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Beck, for all of your tips, especially around that intentional wardrobe. I think that'll be really useful for people who have maybe not even thought about it. That was, I think, when Mm. I listened to yours, you know, I had some ideas, but I think you just planted even more, which was fantastic. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing those tips and for your time. And, um, yeah. 
And could you share then, how can people find you? Oh, yes. So my website is um, www.rebeccamazzino.com.au. That's M-E-Z-Z-I-N-O. And uh, Be Uncluttered is the name of our podcast, and that's at www.beuncluttered.com.au. And Mixed Downsizing is at uh, clearspace.net.au. And all of those are pretty much the same for your social media, but I will share yeah. links for those as well. And you can get to the social media via the websites as well. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. beautiful. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Beck, for your time no worries, and all your tips. It was great to catch up. No thank you so much for joining me for today's Simply Happy Conversation. If you'd like to reduce your stress, improve your mood and support your immune system, then join me for an introduction to yin and nidra yoga. Over five short 10-minute online lessons, you'll start to feel calmer and more rested. Head to simplyhappy.com.au in the resources section and start today. Mm -hmm.